In theory, if God is a good creator, then he is the master storyteller. So he's put us into a story, he's, he's creating, he's written a story, and he's inviting us to participate in it. So then what is our job to tell our, our come follow me story? You know, this is Jesus saying to me, come follow me. How did Jesus invite me to come follow him? Welcome to Captain's Corner, a podcast about community, mission, and culture. This podcast is a ministry of the Salvation Army of Tampa, where we exist because we believe every person can be the person God has called them to be. Also, please check us out at tampasa.org and go ahead and give us a follow on Twitter at SalArmyTampa. And of course, go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We'd like to take a moment to recognize our sponsors for helping to make this podcast possible. Thank you to RegisterToRing.com and to a very generous anonymous donor. We hope you guys enjoy the episode. Hi, friends. Welcome to Captain's Corner. I am here in Flow Villa, Georgia, and it's just like it sounds in the kind of north central Georgia, and we're able to do a variety of things. You might even hear some people coming in and out. There's been some rainstorms around here, but I am with my friend and classmate from Asbury University, freshly minted doctor. As of last week, is that right? As of last week. Dr. Billy Coppage. How does that sound? Do you like that? Uh, it's been a little overwhelming at times. Yeah. So Billy's fine. That's right, Billy's yeah. Fine. So Billy and I uh, knew each other through college, and um, we've taken, at least geographically, different tacks where we've been. I've been serving in the United States, and you've you've served 11 years in Uganda, and in the last we've four been, years? We've been there since 06. Man. 19, yeah, 2006, 2006. So, yeah. So, you went through seminary and almost immediately went to Uganda? Went to went to seminary, Wesley Biblical Seminary. Yeah. And then my wife's Joanna. Right. And so, it was just the two of us at the time. Moved to Uganda in 06. And then uh, God moved it. We ended up in northern part of the country. Okay. Not too far from the Congo border, not too far from South Sudan. Okay. Okay. And we were asked to begin to work with the church, specifically training pastors. Okay. And and we did and and started training. We were using a curriculum that was predominantly, it was a, like a traditional, systematic. What I would think of almost like a Bible college kind of curriculum, mm-hmm. um, in the sense of it's like you know have basic New Testament, Old Testament, you right, know, basic right. preaching. You know, but it was a highly literate curriculum. Okay. And what I mean by that is it's like we had it was more of kind of a lecture style, and then there was class notes and outlines and written homework, written exams. Right. Uh, this kind of thing. Before you get too far, you went with uh, you were there with WGM. We're there with World, World Gospel, Gospel Mission. World Gospel Tell Mission. My, the folks who might be listening to the podcast have no idea what World Gospel Mission is. Sure. Tell us a little bit about that. Good. Before you get into this next thing, I'm interested in that too. No, that's great. World Gospel Mission is a small organization based out of Indiana. I say small, 250 missionaries. Wow. Okay. Uh, probably yeah, yeah. 25 countries okay. around the world, more or less. Um, been around for 100 years. Wow. So. Um, but they would they would fall and you know we're here at Indian Springs right now. Right. They would they would align themselves theologically with like Indian Springs Salvation Army. Right. Like that they the would Wesley be and Holiness Wesley tradition. and Holiness tradition. That would so be it's very interesting. Much. We um you I, I this is like one of those crazy little things that I might remember. But my senior year at Asbury, I was the president of the. Salvation Army Student Fellowship, and you were the president of the yes, World Gospel yes, Mission. Yes, I forgot that. Yeah, I love Stan that. Long, our exact. friend, was the president of OMS. OMS. And right? So it's like, <laughs> and, and all three of us have grandfathers who were very involved in, in all these circles and were friends. Um, so Billy's grandfather, some of you might know, Dr. Dennis Kenlaw, who was the president of Asbury University for a long time. But, I mean, he was involved, too, in the... Um, 
in WGM and uh-huh. OMS. Exactly. So it was kind of a natural fit for you to land with, with WGM, WGM and, and they've been a great organization. No, like, it's so, been very good. So is this school where you taught pastors or whatever, this, this, is that a WGM school? It would be WGM yeah. related. Gotcha. So it was more informal. It okay. wasn't like we had like a proper school building or okay. institution okay. campus. It was like we were bringing pastors in to a, just a local church. Okay. We'd meet for half a day or a day and a half kind of thing and then send them back. Okay, gotcha. Um, the problem was when we began to do like on-the-job evaluations or go right. out and visit, see how folks were doing, very little of what we were teaching in the quote-unquote classroom was actually, was not being, it wasn't being reproduced out right. in the churches or in the communities. So we began to ask ourselves, hey, there's a problem here. Either A, the pastors are not understanding what we're teaching, or B, they are, but they're not able to reproduce it right. in a natural way. And we began to realize one of the major issues was this issue of literacy. Right. And, and on the one hand, just some folks struggled to read, but it wasn't even just, you know, some folks could read, but it was how they structured in knowledge or information. And we were kind of using the topical proposition, systematic bullet right, point sure. kind of method. Um, not a lot of color, not a lot of imagination in that. Right. And so we'll begin to, we got challenged to said, what if you try to use some narrative, use some storytelling, right. and specifically Bible storytelling? Interesting. And when I first heard about it, I was Bible kind of, storytelling. Bible storytelling. Yeah, yeah, and when I first heard about it, it was kind of like, oh, that'll be good for Sunday school. But right, I'm sure. not. I'm not doing Sunday school. I'm doing pastoral training. Right. right <laughs> and right, I right. want to be real. This is this is real serious stuff in my mind. Yeah. I look back now and kind of hear a little bit of a arrogance. Arrogance, yeah. and yeah, I'm kind of like, ooh, I wish I hadn't had that attitude. Too much in my life. I look back at the past and see that. <laughs> yeah, it's like Sorry, exactly. Yeah. So all that to say is, we began to experiment with it. We got permission to do a pilot program, mm-hmm. and eventually, you know, long story is. It actually went over very well okay. because it was a way for, we believe, and I, I mean, WGM, Salvation Army, you yeah. know, it's like we would have a common belief, I believe, in the sense that the primary way God brings about transformation in the human heart is through the Word of God. Amen. So he uses dreams, he uses experiences, he uses memories, he uses other people, Amen. of course, yes, yeah. but the primary Amen. way yes. is the Word of God. Yes. And by that, I mean the Bible, the Scriptures. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so all that to say is, is we were trying to figure out if literacy— is a barrier or, you know, how we're presenting the gospel or even how we're presenting biblical information in certain ways, if that is hindering people from encountering God's word, right. then it's not on, it's not their fault. They're struggling. We want to do something different to try and help people encounter God through his word. Mm-hmm. And narrative and specifically storytelling became an opportunity, became a way for us to create occasions, create communication events for people, whether they could read or not, whether they like to read or not, wow. to encounter the Word of God. And the results then were better? Do you know what? Here's the thing that's interesting. I remember one time we would do, what we would do is you'd have, we'd have to learn a new story. And then each week you were responsible. You had to tell that story at least one time in the, okay. you know, in the coming up week. And you had to tell at least one other story. You, you, know, you could commit to do more than that, but you had to tell at least two stories each week. Kind of our kind of accountability. We found if you tell the story, you learn the story. Yeah. If you don't tell the story, you forget it. Right. So we, anyway, we came back so one week and uh, we were kind of, account, you know, everybody was kind of like, hey, I committed to three stories and I got three or I committed to five. Who's teaching you this? This is, so it was myself and so there was another missionary. Several other pastors were kind of, you know, we were taking turns. Yeah. Now it's all done by Ugandans. The okay, Ugandans awesome. are doing it all now. So I was, we were working with a small group of pastors in northern Uganda. So we're going through this program. I remember one day, uh, Pastor Andrew, we were doing accountability. Pastor Andrew, I don't know how many stories he had committed to tell, but he said, uh, 
He said, um, well, let me tell you. He said, I went to the hospital. One of my church members was in the hospital. So I went to the hospital and he said, I sat down and I wanted to share a story with my church member. And so I, and I, I wish I could remember the story. I want to feel like maybe the paralytic story, okay, you know, from yeah. Mark 2 or something. So he says, I told, I told the paralytic story and we had a nice discussion, asked some questions, you know, prayed with the person, got ready to leave. And uh, the person at the bed kind of across the room was like, hey, I didn't hear that story very well. Will you come over here and share the story with me? Yeah. He was like, yeah, sure. So I walked across the room. I shared the story with that person. He said, I got ready to leave. And somebody else was like, ooh, I didn't hear it very well. Will you come tell me? Wow. He said, I went around. He said, I told the story from bed to bed to bed to bed, 8, 10, 12 times. Wow. And he said, what, what stood out? I mean, it was like he was excited about it. Yeah, sure. But what stood out was here's a way for people to reach into their heart pocket, right. whether they have the text of Scripture in their hands or not. Right reach in their heart pocket and pull out a the Word of God, right. but in a way that is easily accessible. Right. And this has been one of the fun things, Andy, is what we're finding is people like stories, whether you're Ugandan, right. whether you're American, sure. whether you're Scottish, whether you're from Thailand, wherever you're from, right. world over, we yes. like stories. Yes. So even in t- today's context, this has been fun, is realizing in North America, more and more people... It's like, what's standing out in preaching? What's standing out? Why is it that Netflix, YouTube are so popular? Right, sure. In essence, it's like the, the storytelling. It's visual storytelling. So how do we as communicators of the gospel, people trying to help people encounter God through his word, how do we take advantage of storytelling in appropriate ways, but also in some ways I think we got good precedent in somebody like Jesus. Amen. So you took this and after spending several years in Uganda, taking this and seeing how this could work, and you decided that this is going to be the focus of your doctoral studies, right? Exactly. So you went to Edinburgh, is that right? So or, did a, did a, we moved to Scotland, did a one-year master's at St. Andrews. Okay, St. Andrews, great. Tried okay. to get in the door there for the PhD. It didn't work out. God okay. kind of shut that. And I, we thought we were done. It was like, okay, okay God's redirecting. But then very kind of supernaturally, the door opened up at the World Christianity Center okay. at Edinburgh. Yeah, sure. So that's where we ended up doing the PhD um, and I have to tell you, it was an exact fit for us. Um, they wouldn't be. It was. An it was a great yeah, fit. Excuse me. Yeah, it was yeah. a great Maybe fit. Maybe even better us. than St. Andrews. It would have been much better. Interesting. Yeah. In St. Andrews, I didn't feel like they knew what, knew what to do with us as missionaries. Right. Interesting. <laughs> Which is fine. That's yeah, okay. Sure. Um, I felt like the group at, at Edinburgh were very sympathetic, open. They pushed us for sure. He pushed us academically, spiritually, but they were open. And uh, I'm very thankful for that. And even so, though you did the PhD yourself, you're, you keep saying, us and so that's you and, and uh, Joanna. Yeah, so Joanna. and then we have five kids. Right. So yeah. I have to say that I, um, the way it worked out is Dad got the PhD, the actual title, but it was very much a college team effort. Amen. Yeah, <laughs> I like to think that too. With, uh, I didn't do a PhD, but did a demon at Perkins, and oh, yeah, after it was yeah. all over, yeah. I was like, yeah, the, the family picture it, is the one. Like, yeah, we're, exactly. We're all yeah, we're all hold on. Yeah. Yep, that's exactly so, right. And, and it's so. certainly benefiting from it too. So, what would you say uh, through those four years of kind of more intense study? What did you pick up on in that time that really even helped you refine this discipline? Oh, so this is interesting, and I'd be curious to know how this, how you, how folks in the Salvation Army world would yeah. would respond to this. On the one hand, orality has the advantage of of embodied communication. Okay. Now, bear with me. What I mean by that is when you and I are sitting here talking together, yeah. Then there's a certain sense in which we can communicate on our cell phones, or you know right. what I'm saying. We can talk through Skype or FaceTime, but when we're sitting together. It's like then suddenly we have the proximity of space between us, sure, our sure. tone of voices, up That's and down. Right, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking with my hands, Body using language, hand gestures, yeah. you know. 
All of those things nuance the conversation. And communication is happening not just with verbal words, but with our bodies. Right. Um, you know this is a good example for this. I found this to be helpful. Um, somebody pointed it out to me. How do you know when someone is flirting with you? Hmm. Sometimes it's their words. Right. But sometimes it's like, I mean, you remember with Abby, you know what I'm saying, me with Joanna. It's yeah. like suddenly it's like, oh, she's not saying anything, but she's talking to me. Right. Yeah. Or I'm trying to talk yeah. to her, you know, yeah. doing a clumsy job of it. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it's like somehow you're communicating something with your body, yes. even if words aren't being used. Right. I, I think when we do that in person, orality allows for that to happen. And that's a discipline that you're, you study. So yep. you orality is, just, orality yeah. is a broad thing. Like you could have studied you know, uh, New Testament Greek. Yep, and that's exactly. about you studied orality. Orality. Gotcha. And orality, let me define it, is just not only is it not just oral communication, but in this case, oral communication, typically more narrative-based right. and is used pri- specifically for the purposes of communicating God's word for either evangelism, discipleship, leadership training. Okay, gotcha. So gotcha. It's, instead of it being like printed communication or digital media, we're saying orality is specifically mm-hmm. oral communication. Mm-hmm. Now, okay. it can include some of those things. Right. Talk more about that if you want. But all that to say is orality, oral communication, what we're doing right here, we're drawing on the advantages and the power of, imb- of having our bodies in the same room, embodied yeah. communication. Mm-hmm. And it's multi-sensory. You know, you're yeah. seeing, you're hearing. You know what I'm saying? You're, in a sense, there's a certain sense of proximity of space. Right. So yeah. there's multi, multi. What the the advantage the the uh, digital media? Yeah. And printed media, they allow for some of that. Obviously, if you and I are sitting here reading together, or, you know, um, digital media and FaceTime. When you're FaceTiming your grand, your you know your kids yeah. are FaceTiming grandma or whatever, they can see somebody. Right. But there's they, they miss out on some of the body language when right. they're not present. That's right. Does that make yeah, sense? Absolutely. So again, even, digital media even smells. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. There's something missing. You know, it's like exactly. So all that to say is the advantage of orality is when people the people have to be together. Right. That's yeah, that's yeah. an asset. Now, printed printed and digital media have other advantages. But that the materiality, the embodied materiality, that's what I'm calling by just our bodies being in the same room, is a real asset to oral storytelling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when, people, when you perform a story on Sunday morning in church, it's different than when someone just stands up and in a monotone voice reads yeah. the Gospels. Does that no, make sense? I would say both of, our, both of our grandfathers, of course, had you know, unique missions. Your, your grandfather is an administrator of a university and as a, as a thinker and a scholar, my grandfather leading in the Salvation Army. But it's kind of unique. Like what, what made them stand out from other people in the areas was their ability to tell a story Ooh. and what they do Ooh. from the pulpit, right? It's, it isn't just preaching, right? It's yeah. this, and, and, and there, there's a danger, of course, in uh, that this would have been a part of the sometimes called you know the Yale, the Yale School post-liberal theology uh-huh. yep. uh, overemphasis on narrative piece that it gets to a place where it's the the impact of the story that matters and this would be like kind of Stanley Hauerwas yep. uh, the impact of the story matters so that so much the, the referential events to which those yep. are pointing don't matter. don't matter so the resurrection yep. might not matter as much in, in some of those mm-hmm. like you think of George Lindbeck yep. um, these sort of people so if, if that's the the point like that's my fear sometimes in the modern emphasis on storytelling what which i love and i consider part of my preaching too is that i don't want it to be divorced from the actual events to which they refer yep, yeah that, exactly yeah, that's right 
And I, I think in some ways, what I would call the orality movement, the International Orality Network. Okay, I've never heard that. of what you're talking about, but I like it. Keep okay, so okay. It, you've got a group of e, in evangelical mission circles. Okay. Um, kind of around the world, do you know what I'm saying? And some, some of the big boys, IMB, you know, um, that's the Baptist group. You've got mm-hmm. uh, Trans World Radio, uh, TWR, you've got Crew, you've got, yeah. um, you know, New Tribe, um, New yeah, New Tribes Mission, you've got YWAM, some of those groups that I would consider more on, you know, kind of the bigger groups in the Wycliffe, SIL, all those groups, Seed Company. Right. A lot of them are beginning to say is it's like, I think a lot of them are saying, hey, oral communication is important. And I think they would want to draw on some of the storytelling folks like Lynn Beck and the Yale yeah, School yeah. and so forth. But the difference is, is they would say, no, this is this is historical. We believe in the historicity of Scripture. Right. They have a very strong commitment to Scripture. Okay. So I think they're wanting to draw when they can, right, sure. you know, yeah. pickpocket, so to speak, some of those liberal scholars on their emphasis and narrative and so forth. Right but wanting to also maintain. So by and large, in the circles, like evangelical circles, ION, they would have a very high co- commitment to Scripture. Okay. Um, I so, don't mean to be I, suspicious here. No, no, no. I think it's a great question because you've got to keep asking it. Right. And I, I think one of the questions we get over and over again is folks, particularly now, storytelling is becoming cool. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> you know oh, yeah. In, in I, I, corporate America, in right. missions, in oh, preaching. Donald Miller story branding. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Story branding, huge. I'm so, not saying that he's bad for being cool or being with No, no, no. It's just, we're just acknowledging. Yep. We're acknowledging. Story arc. Yep, exactly. All I'm saying is, as I think there's a certain sense in which we want to somehow walk carefully yes. and kind of circumspectly, I think your caution is good. Um, how do we maintain the authority of Scripture? Right. I think one of the things that is happening is people are realizing storytelling isn't just secondary communication. As in like, you know, what really matters is the three points, but I'll throw a little, you know, I'll throw a little uh, vignette in the Mm -hmm. bottom to kind of cap, maybe at the beginning of the sermon to capture their attention. Right, right. But story actually carries, there's a weight to it, almost in and of itself, that it is communicating in ways we may not even necessarily realize. Or understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So again, it's going built back, into us. We, so why is it yeah. that Netflix and YouTube are so powerful? Right. And in some ways, you're like, well, I just watch it to relax. Like maybe, but what is Listen actually closely be, to what he's saying here? <laughs> this is really important. Like I, I just I shouldn't talk so close to the microphone, but <laughs> no, but this is key. What you're saying, like this comes to the very nature. Like this is an anthropological discussion. Like what is it? And, and we, we think that God's involved in it. Mm-hmm. So go back to this. I want I want people to listen closely to what you're about to say. Of why. Netflix and YouTube connect with us. Keep going, keep going. I just want people to listen tightly. Well, I, I wonder if in some ways what it, now bear with me because let me see if I can get here. I think in some ways we have over the over the years there's been a tendency for us to think of it's like we are we are human thinkers, right? So I think things through and then I make a decision. Okay. Bear with me, all right? What that ends up meaning is it's like your your cognitive abilities, your rational abilities are kind of highlighted, right. which we're so thankful for. But then it's the sense of it's like I make a conscious decision, I work through the evidence, I weigh the decision, and then I choose. Right. What that means then is it's like, well, then I need to make sure I get the right knowledge, the right information, the right whatever. Um, so your emphasis is on information as content. I think one of the things I'm coming to believe and some of the stuff that came out of the PhD was more and more there seems to be a sense of oftentimes people make decisions in a intuitive, Hmm. let me say imaginative, intuitive, almost pre-conscious way. 
Huh. I snap my fingers in the sense of it's like, so somebody walks in the door, somebody walks in the door, and again, it goes back. It's like automatically you begin to make assumptions about someone. Right, sure. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, this person has a yeah. lot of money, yeah. and I'm in ministry, so I need to be really nice to him. <laughs> or, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, that yeah, person yeah. just looks really grumpy. Like, okay, I'm not going to take time to get to know them. Or, wow, that person's at the altar. I can tell they're really in need. You automatically make assumptions almost intuitively. And what I, what I think some questions are being raised, at least in the academy, and that I was bumping into, is that intuitive, preconscious decision-making. Oftentimes, it's like you make a decision, and then it's like you think through things. Now, this isn't every situation. But again, going back to the flirtation, when yeah, yeah. your wife was flirting with you, you know, before you guys were married. It's yeah. like, what is it about suddenly it's like, you know she's flirting with you, but you can't exactly say why or how. Right. Is it her eyes? Uh, the way she has her shoulders? Mm. She's bad. You know what I'm saying? The way she turns her face. But there's something you can intuit. Oh, yes. you know, my Joanna is looking at me in a way that, oh, yeah, I want to get to know her. Right. There's something in the body language that's happening. This pre into All that. Now, bear with me. Okay. What that ends up doing, what that ends up doing is it means the way that we, the way that we understand our, our own identity and the identities around us shifts from this sense of like, okay, rational, thought through, conscious, you know, I'm going to make a deliberate decision to like this person or not. It shifts more to this intuitive sense. And I think this opens the door for imagination Hmm. because what you're doing is you're having to fill in. Where is this person coming from? What am I, you're imagining. It gives more role to the imagination in our decision making. Yeah. Now again, bear with me that this opens the door to story. And we begin to realize what are the stories. I think if, and again, I'm not, I'm jumping here, but this issue of identity, this issue of story, and this issue of imagination, the way they are connected in some ways, it means that when we hear stories, when we interact with people and hear their stories, when we watch Netflix, whatever it is, we're actually being shaped, we're making intuitive decisions. We're making maybe pre-conscious, you know, agreements or disagreements in our own mind about people or about situations. So we're watching Netflix and we're just relaxing with our spouse, you know, kind of kicking back with a bowl of popcorn in the evening. So we're doing that in our minds. We're just relaxing. And yet the stories that are streaming around us, it's interesting that word stream, literally streaming around us, the stories that are surrounding us or being that are immersing our imagination are actually forming and shaping in very subtle, precognitive, kind of intuitive sort of ways. To where suddenly it's like, you know, if you talk long enough about whatever the issues are, then suddenly it's like, or if the people, you talk about issues of uh, gender confusion, sexual orientation, how all of those things come out. Mm -hmm. It's like suddenly it's like, well, if all the shows you're watching are oriented in one particular way. Yeah, sure. Then suddenly, it's interesting, It's suddenly it's like, well, it's not really that big a deal. Or it's not that, does it really matter? I mean, wow. they're showing mutual love for each other. Mm. I mean, isn't that what it's all about? Didn't Jesus was all about love, right? Right. But those stories end up shaping you in a way that you don't even realize. Wow. So I think in some ways, we can say, well, we just shouldn't watch Netflix. Mm. Or we shouldn't watch YouTube or whatever it is. And yeah, it's yeah. somewhat, yeah, I think we probably all need a good dose of that. Sure, sure. But I'm a what Netflix I, ridic- I'm a I'm a Netflix um, resistor. Resistor. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good. I That's do good. Like YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> but I, I think in some ways, one of the things we have to think through is how do we instead of just kind of stepping out and saying we're not going to be involved in that. Yeah. At some points, that's necessary. 
But in some ways, the church has got to think through. I think Salvation Army, World Gospel Mission, yeah. what we've got to do is we've got to think through how are we going to tell counter stories? Right. Tell the best story. And how do we tell? Well, yeah, we have access to the best, Amen. the best story and the best stories. Mm. In theory, if God is a good creator, then he is the master storyteller. Amen. So he's put us into a story, he's he's creating, he's written a story, and he's inviting us to participate in it. Yes. So then what is our job to tell our come follow me, Jesus? Mm. Our come follow me story. You know, this is Jesus saying to me, come follow me. How did Jesus invite me to come follow him? Mm. What how do I tell that story? Mm. What does it mean? It's like I find my purpose and my meaning in my purpose story. That's a big story, Mm. but it shapes, all of those are shaping who I am. You talked about your grandfather, my grandfather, their close friendship, the way God used them in various ways. It's like, in some ways, we can push aside those stories. You and I both have had to work through, how do we get away with those? Yeah, who am I? But then in some ways, regardless of how we respond, whether positively or negatively, maturely or immaturely, those stories are shaping us. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if in some ways the church has got to pay more attention to this and recognize we are being shaped by the stories that are surrounding us. How do we, one, be aware of that, develop a consciousness of that? And then two, how do we counter those stories with the gospel story and with our own testimonies? And then how do we create God's stories? Or how do we create good godly stories? In the sense of, and some of that's explicit, you know, whatever it is, a Christian novel. But some of it's just telling stories that borrow themes from the gospel mm-hmm. that are pushing back on the culture that is saying, oh, it doesn't really matter about your sexual orientation. Yeah. Or you're free to choose ABC. It's like whatever those issues are, I'm using that one because it's a hot topic. No, no, it's great. I'm glad you But in some that. ways, it's like whatever the issue is, it's like how do we get better hmm. at one, if I could use the word, exegete. But it just all I mean by that is interpreting the stories that are going on around us. And then how do we get really good at being creative, at being creative, yes. at telling God stories? Yes. And again, sometimes explicitly Christian stories. Sometimes I wonder if it's not always necessary for it to be explicitly Christian. Sometimes it's like, no, this is a, yeah, sure. this is a, this is a good story that's borrowing themes from right. the gospel. Story. It's a redemptive yeah. story. And this is where I do think sometimes Netflix, sometimes Hollywood, right. they end up the best movies. You talk right. about Marvel. Yeah. You talk about Marvel. We go to Avengers, the last Avengers. Yeah, yeah, you know, sure. It just came out, uh, the last one. I'm getting one. chills thinking about okay, the last yeah, scene. Okay, yeah, so the very like last a, right there. The, the but, end game where all, yeah, end game, like end redemption game. of all things, like the, the kind of the Christ figure comes and all, everybody comes back and defeats the forces of evil, all this type of... And this is an interesting piece, like uh, why I... Why, you know, there's this big... Um, uh, sto- I guess you, you've been here for a lot. You've been in America for a lot. Yeah, this last year. So yep. you were Game of Thrones. I didn't watch it at all. Uh-huh. I know. But I, yeah. I knew people in my congregation were hiding from me that they were. But anyhow, <laughs> here's what. Here's how, like people hated the ending of that story, mm-hmm. right? I, I don't. I guess. I guess it didn't end the way people wanted. People were on social media just belly aching about how it didn't end well, and that was a, a, a sec. That that book was a secular response hmm. to the Lord of the Rings and. Chronicles of Narnia, this wow. big overarching story, of course, and even Avengers to a certain extent, are taking this place where there is this satisfying ending to for which we were made. Yeah. The, yeah. the restoration of all things, Ooh, where the things yeah. are put right that are wrong. And when a story ends up leaving us in a position where there isn't that resolution, it's dissatisfying. But somehow it's funny. You, know, you mentioned social media. It's like whatever people's religious beliefs... 
It's like we want the story to have a happy ending. Oh, it's interesting. Why is yeah. that? Yeah, Why sure, is that? Yeah. Do you understand? And again, you have the maverick that's yeah, like, no, I kind of want, you know. Yeah, you, you can make you, a point. You, you know, can you make do, a yeah, point. Yeah. But at the end of the day, all of us want a happy ending. Yeah. We want a happy ending in our own story. We want a happy ending in the stories of the people we love. Right. Ultimately, in some ways, it's like, yeah, we want, we desire happy endings. Yes. I think that is actually part of us being made in the image of God. Amen. Like he's created us for this, looking forward to a time where every tear will be wiped from our eyes and everything will be put right that's wrong. I mean, yeah. this, is, this is what we are made Hold for. on for. This episode of Captain's Corner is brought to you by an anonymous donor who loves the Ministry of the Salvation Army and RegisterToRing.com. Register to Ring is the simple way to sign up to ring bells at the Salvation Army. Ringing bells is a cherished holiday tradition, and money raised goes directly to help people in need in your community. To volunteer to ring in your community this holiday season, go to registertoring.com to sign up today. You can sign up as an individual or a group. Just go to registertoring.com. And let me just add that in Tampa, this has been a blessing to have Register to Ring in place. We've had a great expansion of our volunteer efforts because of Register to Ring. So check that out today. And our thanks to these sponsors for their help in producing Captain's Corner. So I would give it. Give me an example. I don't, and we don't have too much more time. You, you and I are both late for the next meeting here at Indian Spring. But uh, give, give me an example of how of, of of a story and how this has worked, or like some of these ways that you've practically implemented this. Well, yeah, totally. Can I just tell you? This? I'll tell you a story. Oh, I love it. Yeah, okay. let me tell and you a quick story. This is just me, me and Billy here. I get okay, great. This is everybody a, else. That's right. So this is a short story, just by way of introduction. Comes from the Old Testament. Okay. True story. Um, you need to know that at the time of the prophets, you had these groups of people that seemed to be younger people. We don't have a lot of information, but um, the prophets were, there was groups of people that would come around them. And we, in scripture talks about the, the sons of the prophets, not biological sons as best mm-hmm. we can tell, but more of like students. Elijah, so, Elijah. Yeah, Elijah and Elisha. So that just gives you a little bit of background. Okay. You'll hear some about the sons of the prophets in this story. So with that in mind... Um, the story goes like this. Now it was that the sons of the prophets came to Elisha, and they said to him, Our Lord, the place we're staying is too small. Allow us to go down to the river and let each man cut a tree, that we may build a place for us to stay. And Elisha said, You may go. But one of the sons of the prophets returned and asked him, saying, Lord, would you go with us? And he said, Yes, I will come. Now it happened while they were cutting trees that the iron accent of one of the men came off and fell into the river. Alas, my Lord, the man cried out, for it was borrowed. Elisha came over and said to him, where did it fall? And the man showed him. Then Elisha cut a stick and he threw it in the water, causing the axe head to flow. And he said, reach out your hand and take it. And the man reached out his hand and took hold of the floating iron accent. Hmm. That's the end of the story. Comes from Second Kings. Boy, I was, I was, I was, I hardly was, I was afraid to move. I didn't want to move an inch as you were telling that story. I wish you all could be here to see uh, Billy's eyes and his hands and his motions as he's telling that story. Because it's all a part of me. He was just doing that just for me. I had a private performance. <laughs> it's That's fun great. though. It's a fun story. Yeah, isn't absolutely. It? So if we were, if we had time yeah. and if, you, if we were doing a proper story, like what we would do is we do a, like, I'd ask somebody to retell it, you know, yeah. okay, let's have somebody just retell it. You remember, then we go back through the story. And again, that's somehow you're trying to make sure 
something was left out maybe in the retelling or something was added. You know, sometimes you'll get people that add stuff in. You know, they can't remember. They'll add something to their own. Preachers do that all the time. Yeah, exactly. I'm guilty. <laughs> so, but the idea being you go through the story two or three times. Yeah. Then the people have the story more or less in their heart pocket. Yeah. Then you turn to say, hey, let's make some observations. And again, it's this dialogue discussion. You know, what do we see here? Like, how else? There's obviously some kind of need in the community. The students come to the teacher. I'm wondering, they choose to ask him if they can go build a bigger place. Yeah. What other choice could they have made? Hmm. When they have that kind of problem in their community, how else could they have responded? That's a genuine question. Yeah. Well, they could have decided not to build a place. They could have stayed there. Yeah, yeah they could have stayed in the cramped quarters. Yeah, sure. I'm thinking, you know, uh, me as a student, I probably could have complained. Mm. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like, sure. Or ask Elisha. You know, it's like, hey, why, why don't, don't the place is small? Why don't yeah. you do it? Instead, you see these guys choosing to take the initiative. They get permission, and then they're taking the initiative to solve the problem. Hmm. What does that tell us about their hearts? What do you, anything you tell, like just the spiritual condition of their heart? Yeah, it seems like they, um, they wanted to have a resolution. Ooh. Yeah. Resolution? A willingness to get a job done? Yeah, sure. Um, I, again, you could spin on that for right, more. Right, right, sure. But in some ways, it's like how many times, in some ways, all of us are students. And what I mean by that is we all have leaders, whether it's our boss, whether it's our supervisor. We, you know, we all are under authority at some point. The next time our community encounters a problem, the space is too small. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a physical space, a relational space, a spiritual space, whatever it is. But there's some sort of difficulty where we're feeling cramped. Mm. We need more room for God to work, for us to organize more, whatever. If we're feeling cramped, what options do we have? Mm. And are we choosing to take the initiative, seek the proper authority, and then get the job done? Mm -hmm. Or are we actually doing, like you said, complaining, just kind of living with the status quo? Well, we're always this way. You know, what choices do we have? And are we choosing to follow the example of those, those students? Yeah. Again, I'm just kind of giving you back and, and, and forth. I mean, this story is, uh, in, I've always kind of struggled with it. Like, okay, what's the point? What's the point of that story? Anyways, why, why <laughs> the axe head blow? I mean, yeah, it's a mirror. But so there's a sense that with, with God entering into the story at via Elijah. Elisha? Elijah. Elisha. 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 So yep. it comes in and it makes the axe head float. It's like kind of like a, would you say like a divine approval of, the, of this initiative that they're showing? Oh, like, I hadn't that, thought about it in that way. Like, why does the axe head float? That's why. I'm, I'm not saying how, but what does that tell us about well, that story? That's why I've all. It's just like, is there like a rewarding of the fact that they're wanting to go and do something, or is just a mercy given toward the the servant, you know, the sons of the prophet, the son of the prophet who had that bad thing happen to him? Maybe I, I wonder if it's a both end. Yeah, sure. Because in so, I mean, oftentimes we'll talk about you know the sons of the prophets had choices, Elisha had choices, God had a choice. Yeah. You know, in some ways, he's very much a character in the story, even though he's somewhat hidden. Right. It's the man of, you know, man of God. So he's kind of in the background. And yet, there's a certain sense in which, why, you know, what else could God have done? Let the iron axe head float. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it could have not have floated. And it was like, yeah. well, alas, my Lord, it was borrowed. Sorry, you're going to have to pay it off or right. you know, somehow make restitution for a lost axe head. It's interesting. God doesn't let that happen. Mm-hmm. And part of me would say, you know, one of our questions, which I really like, is what does that tell us, you know, what does that tell us about this person's heart or kind of their spiritual condition? It's funny to ask that about God. What does it tell us that God cares enough about a man's borrowed farming implement? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What does that tell us about God? Mm. 
He does care. It's, it's he, okay. he does care. It's, it's okay. I mean, in it's some okay ways, to it's... pray for these seemingly small details. Like, yeah. I can't find my keys. It's it's not. It's, it's, not yeah, it's funny. To say, God, would you help me find my keys right now? There's something in that. And yeah. again, we could extrapolate from that, like approval for the project. And I yeah. think some of that may be there. But I think what I love is I love this. God shows up for a man's debt. Yeah. And it's like this man, his intention was to take. Action. It's a Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like you see the grace of God caring for this man. And I, I wonder how many times for us, it's like you borrow your friend's car. You know what I'm saying? Whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What, I, I, even if it's not something borrowed, you're responsible for something for a short time and your intentions are good. You're trying yeah. to take care. Whatever it is. Yeah, bear with me one second. But in some ways, like he was stewarding that axe head. Mm-hmm. Something happened that was beyond his control and he needed grace. Mm-hmm. I think about my kids. Mm. It's like in some ways, I'm a steward of my kids. Yeah, sure. I've been entrusted with my kids. Yeah. God, please help me with my kids. Please be gracious when I drop the ball. Right. You know, in some ways, hopefully not drop them Amen. in the leg. <laughs> but I'm saying, what? please be gracious to me. Yes. When I, you know what I'm saying, my tone of voice wasn't right. Or I dropped this opportunity to really kind of attend to somebody's heart. Yeah. Would you be gracious to me in, in what I'm stewarding, like you were gracious to that son of the prophet with what he was stewarding? Yeah. He, it was, in some ways, it seems small. I think an iron accident that day would have been like a... You know, a really nice sports car for you and I. Interesting. You know what I'm saying? It's like that would have been an expensive tool. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that he was having to borrow one, yeah. he didn't have one. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. He did not have one. He had to borrow. Well, it's like, oh, so he was stewarding something on behalf of someone else. Wow. In some ways, that's us with our kids. Yeah. God has given us our children. We are their stewards. Mm-hmm. God, please help us be careful. And God says, yeah, great. I can help. I can help yeah, you. Can Let it. me be gracious in those ways. So again, I just, this story is not about kids, yes. but you can see how in discussion and interaction, suddenly these little stories, and this has been one of my joys, Andy. It's like, you know, I've got now a PhD and yeah, I'm feeling yeah. very accomplished. Yeah, Dr. Coppage. You know, it's funny. You walk into these stories that you think, oh, they're just little Sunday school stories. Right. And then God totally breaks them open. Yeah. Just like he's done with us. And here. it's like, wow, God's in that. Amen. It's like that. So I love it. It's like a leveler. You got a little education. You got a lot of education. You got a little bit of money. You got a lot of money. Yeah. No matter what cultural cultural context you're coming from, God honors His word. Amen. Well, we're not, not gonna be able to stay much longer. I'd love to keep doing this with you. Maybe we can find a few links or something we can put in with the show. That'd be fun. Yeah, one. sure. But uh, you know, one of the get, God's given you this access to this based upon the need that you encountered early in your ministry in Uganda, and you're stewarding that resource. You're stewarding this. This concept, and you know, it's, it'd be one thing you could keep doing it, but you decide to go and study it really hard. I just want to applaud you and encourage you for the work you've done for the gospel. As you've, you know, in, even in these few years in Scotland, it may seem like oh, it's kind of a selfish thing or whatever to get a PhD, but you're really diving deep so you can take it and use it. And God's, I, I'm, I, I'm going to learn more about it from here on out, and I'm excited <laughs> about it. I'm excited to see what God Thank does you. for you. And uh, Joanna, I call her Joe. Uh, sorry, just, just and, and your kids, your five kids, and we'll make sure to maybe put some links on so we can see what's going. If you guys want to support um, their family, but in, anyways, Billy, we th- we appreciate you, and we trust that God's going to keep using you in the way He is. Andy, thank you. So I appreciate your prayers. We go yeah. back in September, and I appreciate folks that are listening. I appreciate your prayers as we go back that God would help us be good stewards, not only of our kids but also of what He's entrusted to us with a PhD. And help us know how to serve the church in ways that actually are helpful. Amen. Amen. We will. (laughs) So thank you again. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Captain's Corner. 
If you'd like to learn more about us, please feel free to check us out at tampasa.org and give us a follow on Twitter at Sal Army Tampa. And of course, go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next time. 